You're listening to a teaching series by Cross Culture Church of Christ. If you'd like any more information about our church, head to crossculture.net.au. Feel free to share this podcast with others, but please don't alter the content in any way. We hope you enjoy it. election season uh, in the US and the usual argy-bargy is going on and uh, to tell you the truth uh, probably most of us are over it at least I am Uh, and uh, I'm wondering how long it'll be before uh, the usual thing starts happening where uh, people are claiming that they're born again and the other one's not Uh, and it's sad I guess to see something as serious as that being used as a political football But it's a very important thing, isn't it? Being in God's family. In fact, at the end of the day, it's the only thing that's going to matter, whether or not we are born of God or in God's family. This passage that we're looking at today answers that question of how do we know uh, if somebody is born of God? How do we know if we ourselves are born of God? Well, John gives us three big signs as he draws this letter to a close. They're signs that he's spoken of before uh, and he puts them together in this passage. And then he gives us three big evidences uh, that this is the way to live. And then we're going to end with one big question as we look at 1 John 5, 1 to 12. Friends, let's uh, bow in prayer and ask for God's help. We thank you, our Lord and God, that you are a speaking God, that you reveal yourself to us. Uh, You could easily have left us in the dark, uh, but you haven't done that. You have revealed yourself to us. So we pray today that uh, we will believe what we learn of you, that we will love it, that we will love you, uh, and that we will do what you say. We will obey you. And we pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. So the first thing is the three big signs of being in God's family. Believing, loving and obeying God. If you want something to remember it by, think of blog. Believe, love and obey God. John begins like this. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. So there's the first one. Believing is the first sign of the one born of God. In John's writings, he uses this word 107 times. In all but one usage of it, it's active, it's a verb. He only uses the noun once and it's in this passage and it's in a very active context. He says it's our faith uh, that overcomes. So for John, uh, believing is an action. What we believe is not like a stone monument that you set up to admire and people can see it as they go past the street corner. Uh, Believing is like a muscle uh, that must be used. And that translates, of course, doesn't it, into daily choices. Are we going to trust in Jesus or are we going to trust in ourselves or somebody else? When the devil comes along and tells his lies or our own depression uh, tells us that we're worthless and God could never forgive such a person. The person born of God chooses to believe Jesus and trust him who says, I died for you. I love you. I have forgiven you. Yes, you are a sinner, but your sins are taken away uh, through my death on the cross. The person born of God chooses to believe 
Jesus over the pull of the culture around them that tells us, that well, it's silly to go that way. It's silly to do what God wants. The person born of God believes Jesus and goes his way, even against ourselves and our own desires. The second big action that John mentions is loving. In the second half of verse 1, everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. That action, of course, that second action of love flows from the first. We love God, we love Jesus, and we love his children. To believe in him is to love him. And the proof of loving him is in loving his children, our Christian brothers and sisters in Christ. Over the last six months, the way we have uh, had to put that into practice has changed a lot, hasn't it? Uh, and we've had to make more phone calls, more FaceTimes, more Zoom calls and so on, uh, so we can encourage and love and care for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Ring them up and ask that question, are you okay? Uh, and encourage them. It's been so encouraging for Janet myself in the last few months to experience the love of brothers and sisters in Christ uh, in so many ways. And it's been so encouraging to hear of people taking meals to those uh, who are shut in or maybe who have become ill or maybe just taken a meal to say, hey, thinking of you, we love and care for you. That's so encouraging. It's been so encouraging too to hear of uh, hardcore introverts who hate going uh, on Zoom, uh, overcoming their, their fears and reticence and going on Zoom to encourage their brothers and sisters uh, in their life groups. It's love that flows from believing and trusting in Jesus. And John says this in verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. So here John transitions to the third of these big three. So believing, loving, and finally obeying. This is how we show our love for God, by obeying him, by obeying his commandments. And John makes the comment there that his commandments are not burdensome or oppressive, that word can mean. Quite the opposite, actually. They're absolutely good for us. They're the best thing for us. Now, the best thing for the people who live around us, we come in contact with, and of course the most important thing is they are the best thing for God and for his glory. Jesus himself said that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. The picture here, it's like a pair of oxen that you see pulling a cart. Uh, you can see this almost anywhere in Asia, perhaps with the exception of Singapore and Hong Kong. Uh, but you, you see a pair of oxen pulling a cart or a plough or whatever. And the farmer, of course, he trains the new ox by putting him in the yoke with an experienced ox, a larger one who will carry the, the, the larger part of the burden and encourage uh, the newer one uh, to walk alongside and as the pair of oxen work together, they can do great things. They can pull heavy loads. They can plough a field. And they can drive a, a flour mill to grind the flour. They can do lots of things and go a long way. This is a picture of the Christian life with us working with God as we walk alongside him going his way. Of course, if we kick and buck and want to go a different direction uh, to God, then it's going to be difficult and it will be burdensome and it will be hard. 
And it's not going to be easy anyway when we are walking with God. Uh, John has already told us that uh, in chapter 2 where he says, Don't love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and the pride in possessions is not from the Father but is from the world. And if we're going to go with God in obedience, uh, we are going to have to shed those things and fight them in our lives. But if we work together with God, we can go a long way and do great things. In fact, that's what John goes on to tell us, uh, that the person who lives like this overcomes the world. By the world, John means uh, those forces that are opposed to God and stop us uh, from going God's way. This is in verses 4 and 5. Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? It'll be a battle to overcome our own, our own willfulness uh, to do God's will, uh, laying aside our own agenda uh, to do God's agenda. It'll involve daily steps of obedience. Uh, to live this way. Last weekend, our four-year-old granddaughter, uh, her church wanted a child to be involved in the prayers. And uh, our granddaughter said, yes she, yes, she would do it. She would like to do it. So her dad began the recording and her prayer began like this. Dear God, I wish you would obey me. And uh, her father, my son, who was recording this, uh, reported that it went downhill from there on. But perhaps, actually, she was honestly expressing uh, what most of us would secretly like to happen sometimes, that God would run things the way we want them run. But John says the person born of God acknowledges that the best way to run things is the way God runs them. So these are the big three signs of the person born of God, believing, loving and obeying. Now, there's a progression here, isn't there? The primary thing is believing, trusting ourselves to Jesus. And we show that that's taken effect uh, by loving him and by loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, by loving what Jesus has done for us, laying down his life for us and rescuing us from our sins. And if we love him, uh, then we will do what he wants like we do in other relationships where we really love people. We want to please them and fulfill their desires. So they're the three big signs. Secondly, there are three big witnesses, John goes on to say in verses 6 to 9. The reason people live this way, people who are born of God, live this way, believing, loving and obeying, is because there's really solid evidence that this is the best way to live. It's the way to life, eternal life. So John says there are three witnesses. In verse 6, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water and the blood. And these three agree. So water blood and spirit are the three big witnesses and all three point to Jesus. Now what is a witness? A witness is somebody who testifies. 
uh, in a legal sense, a person who testifies in a court of law uh, to provide evidence to either prove or disprove a case. Uh, in the Old Testament law, uh, no case could be proven without the evidence of at least two or three witnesses, and they had to agree. It's the same in our courts, isn't it? That everything has to be proved by evidence beyond reasonable doubt for someone to be convicted. Now, that's earthly matters. What about eternal life, something as important as that? Well, it needs good evidence, doesn't it, that we really know that this is the way to life. And there is evidence, John says, water, blood and spirit. Now, people puzzle over what this means. Um, spirit is relatively easy. That's the Holy Spirit of God. But what does water and blood mean? Well, let's start with the hardest one, water. What do you do with something like this, actually, when you come across this puzzling reference to water? How do you solve it? Well, the first place to go is to look at the context surrounding it. What does this water point to? What does it testify to? Well, six times over in the surrounding verses, it says these witnesses testify that Jesus is the Son of God. Secondly, a good thing to do is to look to see where else does this writer, John, use this expression, by water. He says the, the Son of God came by water. Where does he, else does he use that expression? First, you need to look in the letter. Well, it's not used in the letter. So then you go out the next uh, ring of concentric circles and say, all right, John's other writings. Where else does he use this expression, by water? And he uses it three times in his gospel, and it's all in chapter 1. Uh, where he talks about the baptism of Jesus. John the Baptist came baptizing by water, and Jesus is baptized by water by John the Baptist. And the conclusion of John the Baptist, uh, after he has baptized Jesus and the Spirit falls on him, uh, in John 1.34, he says this, I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Uh, we know from the other Gospels too that God spoke from heaven uh, at the baptism of Jesus. And what did he say? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So I think it's pretty clear from uh, these connections that this first witness, the water, is a reference uh, to Jesus' baptism. And it's attested by both John the Baptist and by God himself. What about the second one, blood? Well, we don't need to go any further than John's letter, the context of John's letter itself, uh, to find out what this means. Uh, because he refers to the blood of Jesus in chapter 1, verse 7. He says, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So in chapter 5, the reference to blood is clearly a reference to the death of Jesus. And uh, we know uh, from Mark, Matthew's gospel, that when Jesus died on the cross, there's an attestation that he's the son of God from the Roman centurion who saw and heard what happened. And when Jesus breathed his last, he said, surely this man was the son of God. So these two, the water and the blood, testify uh, to the totality of who Jesus is, the Son of God, and what he came to do. They're like the bookends of his earthly ministry. 
And uh, some commentators believe it includes everything in between as well in Jesus' ministry, uh, his life, his miracles, his death, his resurrection, his teaching. Everything points us to the reality of who he is and why he came. Uh, he's declared to be the son of God uh, by eyewitnesses and ultimately by God himself. What about the spirit, the third witness? Well, before Jesus left his disciples, he told them that he would send the spirit and that spirit would bear witness to him in, in John uh, 16, verses 13 and 14. You can read this. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And in verse 14, he will glorify me. Uh, so the spirit testifies to Jesus. And the Spirit did this for the apostles to whom Jesus was speaking. The Spirit did guide them into all truth, remind them of all that Jesus had said and done, and they wrote it down as a testimony, an eyewitness account and testimony of who Jesus is. And for those born of God, this testimony of the Spirit, which we find in God's Word, uh, is a testimony that we find in ourselves, that responding to it as God's Spirit comes to live in us when we are born of God. So these three witnesses agree, John says, the water, the blood, and the spirit. In verse 9, he goes on to say, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. So this is God's testimony. It's not just the eyewitnesses. Now John makes a point of this, actually, because he said people believe all sorts of things that come from men, and that's true. We only have to look around us and, and read your social media, especially in this COVID time. Now, people are coming up with all sorts of weird and wonderful conspiracies about COVID and whether or not it exists or not and all that kind of stuff and weird and wonderful cures uh, and crackpot cures and theories, fake news uh, from unreliable sources, as they say. When John says this is the testimony of God, what he's saying is this is attested to by the one who is the truth himself. Of course, we, we all want the truth, don't we? Uh, the reason it's taking a while to get a vaccine, actually, for the coronavirus, isn't it, is because we want to be as sure as we can uh, that that vaccine will actually do uh, what we want it to do, that it'll work. And there's very rigorous scientific testing and that's repeated over and over again uh, because we don't want to be jabbing ourselves with something that's dodgy and not going to do the job. And friends, when it comes to our eternal destiny, we need to be a lot more sure than that. And what John's saying is you can be very sure about this because God himself has testified. So three big signs of a person born of God. They believe, they love, they obey. And three big witnesses here, the water, uh, the blood, and the spirit. And finally, in verses 10 to 12, one big question. And it's a very simple question and a very important one. And I want to ask you personally today, do you believe this testimony? Do you believe God's testimony about how you can have eternal life. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he's not believed 
in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. Friends, this is very serious. To reject God's testimony or to ignore it is to say to God, you're a liar. We know from our own relationships how damaging that is uh, when we call somebody a liar or or even hint uh, that we don't believe them. We know how hurtful that is to us uh, when we are called a liar by someone we know or even by someone we don't know or they hint that they don't believe us. How much more so is it in our relationship with God uh, when by our actions or our ignoring of him, we are saying to him, we think you're a liar. How much it must hurt God, who has gone to enormous trouble to tell us the truth, to reveal himself to us through his son and to rescue us from our own ignorance. How much it must hurt him uh, when by our actions we say we think you're a liar. He's done so much to show us the truth by sending his son the way, the truth and the life to reveal himself to us and to point the way to him. So praise God, there's an alternative uh, to calling God a liar and that is to believe the testimony, to love God, love our brothers and sisters and to obey. Verse 11 and 12, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Friends, this is very, very clear here. God is being as clear as he can be uh, that our eternal future hangs on what we do with Jesus, how we respond to Jesus. Are we going to call God a liar and ignore his evidence about his Son? Or are we going to take God at his word and believe his evidence? Believe Jesus, trust him, love him and obey him. This is not the only place in this letter where John talks about lying. The first place is in chapter 1 where he says that if we say we haven't sinned, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So the first step in knowing God and laying hold of this eternal life is to acknowledge that we're sinners that we rebelled against God and we need his forgiveness. We need what Jesus did in shedding his blood on that cross so that we could be forgiven. And the second step is very clear from this passage, that we believe what God said about Jesus at the transfiguration. This is my beloved son. Listen to him, not just with your ears, but with your life. Trust him, love him, obey him. I still vividly remember the time when Jesus came into my life and changed everything and I was born again by God's Spirit. Uh, Just the same as Ethan who has spoken during his baptism today. Uh, Born of God and being changed by God uh, through trusting him, loving him and obeying him. Little by little, uh, I was able to overcome my wrong desires, my bad temper, my self-centeredness as I walked along in that yoke with God, and it's still a work in progress uh, by God's grace. So everything hinges on this. What will you do with Jesus? His promise in verse 12 is so good and so clear. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. 
Let me urge you today, if you have not yet turned from your sin and uh, asked God for his forgiveness, today is the day to do it. Tell him you're sorry that you've ignored him. Uh, and that so far you haven't believed the testimony about his son. And ask him to forgive you. And his promise is that he will do that. He will forgive you and he will cleanse you uh, from all unrighteousness. And then go on to continue to persevere in believing in Jesus and trusting him and loving him and obeying him. Maybe you're not at that point. You're just hearing some of these things and, and you, you're not, you want to pursue more of the evidence. Let me encourage you to do that. Uh, I'd encourage you to read John's Gospel and learn more of the eyewitness testimony uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't have a Bible, you can go online to Bible Gateway and read it there. Let me encourage you, if you want to investigate this with other people, join our Alpha course, which is running at the moment, where we explore these questions of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And friend, let me say to you, if you're born of God and you're a believer today, keep on trusting Jesus day by day. Keep on choosing to love and obey him. It's the only way to go and he will continue uh, to bless you. Yes, it'll be a struggle, uh, but you'll be doing it with him. The one who said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Let's uh, take time to pray. I'm going to leave a space for us to individually respond to God. Maybe today for the first time you want to say to God, I want to stop going my way. I want to go your way. I believe, Jesus, that you are the son of God, that you died for me. Please come in and change me. Let's take time to respond to God now, and then I'll lead us in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you are the way and the truth and the life. Thank you for coming from heaven uh, to live on this earth, to live the life that we couldn't live, a life of constant obedience to the Father. And thank you for dying the death that we deserve to die. And thank you that because of what you have done, uh, we can have eternal life. Lord, I pray today that each one of us would know uh, that we are born of you and that we'll respond in love and obedience. And we pray this for your glory, now and forever. Amen.